Hello and welcome to tonight's show. We have a surprise episode of the Streaming Evil Live because it's been a little while and you, you, guess, you know, a little, a little fill, filler show. Filler show is what we're going to call this one. <laughs> no, I was I was browsing and I saw this article and it it had me wondering. I I I started to begin to wonder. I was like, hmm. I wonder how many of these things I actually know that revolver revolver magazine who do they do. They do a lot of coverage on, on uncle Glenn. And um, yeah, I was just curious to know how, how many of these things maybe I actually know or don't know. You know, I like to consider myself a Danzigologist, pretty, pretty well read on, on the subject. Not, not a, not a, a be all end all expert on anything by any means, but just, you know, what is, what is and what isn't, what do I know and what do I not know? I don't know. But uh, before we begin, let's start the show off the right way. By the way, no, I am not smoking. This is not a cigarette. I just want everybody to know in case anybody questions that. We got a seltzer. Wegmans Peach Seltzer is sponsoring tonight's show in addition to Riot Stickers. We love Riot Stickers. Riotstickers.com. Cheers. We're live on Instagram as well. That's a new thing, but if you're if you're on Instagram and you want to join in the conversation, come over to YouTube. That's how it rolls. That's how it works. Um, a couple of housekeeping things maybe in just a moment. But first, we need to, this one's for Rue. I don't know if Rue's watching, but he might watch this later on. This one is for you, buddy boy. Jeff is going to talk about the Misfits right now. He's a nerd about this stuff, obsessed anyhow. Jeff never shuts his face, always needs to talk. Might have shown some weight if he went out for a walk. Do you think that he cares? He doesn't care. He's not into ranch. Hello and welcome to tonight's streaming evil live show. It's been a while. Here we are, live and in the flesh. And we have a fun little piece of uh we have a fun little activity tonight. We're gonna do some test. We're gonna do a test. Okay. We're gonna do a little bit of testing. We're gonna test something out. Uh, I want to see how much I really know about Danzig. I, you know, I, I like to I read about this stuff. It's one of my hobbies i guess you would call it you know it's one of my interests you know uh you could say that i'm an amateur danzigologist before we do that some quick housekeeping items uh we are we have uh the second part of the eerie vaughn interview is finished for patreons and youtube members keep your eyes peeled that's coming on the 19th i think it's already been scheduled and timed to go out also a bunch of food review videos from the last like three four five months that i've just not had yes my feed is mike my my feed is super slow it's just it's lagging man i need a new machine that's the problem that is indeed the problem um yeah i did a bunch of food reviews and i'm going to be putting those up as well 
As long as you can hear the audio, that's all that matters. I know it's Chris. I know it's slow. It's pisses me off. There's nothing I could do. It's just, it's the Wi-Fi connection. It is what it is. I apologize for the choppy picture. As long as you can hear the audio, that is all that matters. If the audio is choppy, then we have a big, big problem. Uh, hopefully it will correct itself. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it does not. It's just the way things work here at the Frubbis channel. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> um, okay. So like I said, I was scrolling through i was scrolling through uh the internet whatever i came upon revolver magazine they, they cover danzig a lot and they had this thing danzig 10 things you didn't know about glenn danzig's first solo album i did not read this article at all i really didn't i'm blind i don't know anything about it i thought what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna open up the article and we're going to go through all 10 things and I'm going to, I'm well, I'm going, I guess I can't really, it can't ask, I can't be asked questions. I really should have had somebody on here to ask me the questions. So what I'm going to have to do is be honest. It's going to be an honesty thing. Do I, did I honestly know that? Did I honestly not know that, that, that sort of thing. So uh, I'm genuinely curious to know, and I will obviously weigh in if I, if I can. And uh, like I said, by no means I was, I, I, this is just based on things that I've read and the people that I've spoken to. I was not around while they were recording Danzig one. So, you know, none of us were, I, I think, I don't think that needs to be said at this point. So this is really, this is some really nerdy shit right now. All right, let's do it. Let's see if we knew 10 things. Revolver is telling us 10 things that we didn't know about Glenn Danzig's first solo album. Let me pop this. This sucker open. We're we're launching right in. No no BS here. Ready? Here. I'm going to share my screen. Yeah, I'm sorry that it's choppy. I can't I can't do anything about that. Unfortunately, it's just the it's just a problem. It's a problem that will be solved when I get a new machine, and I don't know when that will be, but I guarantee you that when I have a new machine at some point. However long it takes, you will be the first to hear about it because I will just be streaming constantly going, oh, oh, hey, guys, hey, what's going on? What's going on? All right, ready? This is this should be sharing right now. Give it a second. Give it a second. Oh, there we are. Maybe this will either slow things down or make things even choppier. How's that? Do I still look choppy like that? Let's see. How is that? A little bit better? Probably not. No, it's not. It's still whatever. All right. So 10 things you did not know about Glenn Danzig's first solo album from James Hetfield's secret vocals. Okay, I already knew that. Okay. Right off the bat, that's on possession to the surprise origin of the cover art. I also know that. That's from Chris R. Number 8, right? Chris R. Warrior uh, from Marvel Comics. That's from number 8. So, okay. So I guess maybe I knew two of the things. What a What a spoiler, huh? That was kind of a spoiler. All right. So I'll tell you two things right off the bat that I don't think Revolver knows, or at least whoever wrote this. Let's see who wrote this article. Whoever wrote this did not know. How about that? Uh, yeah, look at that. That's what I thought. This is from 1993. This is not from 1988. I knew it. I wasn't sure if it was 92 or 93, but yes, this photo is from 1993. I was looking at that. I was like, why are they pairing a photo from 1993? 
with an album from 1988. So maybe maybe that's just me being a real ball busting nitpicker, but it just felt like uh, a little out of place. This is by Dan Epstein from August 30th, uh, 2018, which would have been the 30th anniversary. Another thing that I will uh, I will say here is that he calls this Glenn Danzig's first solo album. And I would also say that's not correct. It's not Glenn Danzig's first solo album. Danzig was a band. They, they changed the name of the band Danzig. Uh, they changed the name from Sam Hain to Danzig. They added, you know, John Christ and Chuck Biscuits come in and then the, the band changes their name, but they're, they are a band, a functioning band. Even if uh, Glenn is the sole songwriter and, you know, frontman and vocalist and whatnot, so I don't think it's fair to call this his first solo album. His first solo record would be the Who Killed Marilyn record all the way back in 1979. And I guess his first solo record is technically Black Aria would be Glenn Danzig's first solo record. I think. I think that would be the uh, best way. And if anybody wants to contradict me or correct me, because I get things wrong all the time. Please weigh in. Uh, I don't know how I'll, well I'll be able to show your comment because it's slow ass computer, but we'll try. All right, let's let's dive into this thing. So already that, that that's two things. So uh, I'll tell you one other thing. I'm sure that I'm sure that he put Glenn Danzig's first solo album because that's good for SEO, which is search engine optimization which is what you need on the interwebs when you're trying to get your article bubble to the Google surface. You need SEO. It's very, very important. Oh, man, that seltzer is really, really good. Just hit the back of the throat, quenches the thirst. Moody, muscular, and malevolent. The first Danzig album sounded like nothing else on the charts when it was released on August 30th, 1988. So this is the exact 30th anniversary up to the day. It didn't sound like anything in the metal world either. At the time of peak hairspray and maximum shred, the debut release from Glenn Danzig's latest musical incarnation was all about the sweaty blues and controlled menace delivered with demonic thrust that made all the pretty boys with electric toys sound even flimsier and more fatuous than they already were that uh dan epstein is a good writer he is a he's a good wordsmith although it sounds like classic hard rock today danzig seemed almost unclassifiable at the time when the first album came out, we were called a metal band, a thrash band, a speed metal band, a death metal band. Danzig recalled to Rolling Stone in 1994. Nobody knew what we were. Hmm. <laughs> I can't show this comment because my machine is so slow. But Michael says, if you want your computer to work at top performance, stay off the riverboat gambling websites. You got it, Mike. What's up, Cam Shaft? We got Jody Ramon in the house. How you doing, Jody? Jeremy Weisenhunt, what's up? All right. In fact, some longtime fans of Danzig's work had difficulty wrapping their heads and ears around Danzig when it first hit the streets. As we've talked about, to a nauseate, a nauseating level, Danzig One is a far cry from November Coming Fire. And hopefully in the very near future, 
we will have a guest on this channel. In addition to Erie, we've already had Erie. We will have another guest on this channel who will really be able to speak to that. So Dan from Minneapolis is here. Hello. Hello, Dan. Man, I really want to show your comments, guys, but it's just probably gunking up the machine even more. I'm trying my best here just so everybody's everybody's included. Uh, I'm probably not going to read all these descriptions unless I need to. Not the comments, of course, I'm talking about for this uh, website. I don't know who. So yesterday I did a whole thing about meat jello. And <laughs> I, yo, I was sitting here by myself at my computer. I started to fall asleep, man. I started to fall asleep. Really, really funny. Really, really funny. Okay, let's keep going. In fact, some long time, right? We already said that. Produced by Rick Rubin, whose Deaf American imprint also released it. The album, which peaked at number 125 on the Billboard 200 in the fall of 88, was slower, harder, heavier, cleaner. I don't know if slower is not the right word, man. Yes, there are a lot. There are some speed, speedier songs on November Coming Fire. But I would say, man, Am I Demon is a fast song. I, that's not that's not exactly true. But all right, all right, I'll go with it. Slower, harder, and I don't know about harder or heavier. Cleaner, maybe. Cleaner for sure. But you can't say that. I mean, November Coming Fire is a, is a heavy record. I don't know, actually. Is heavy the right word? Atmospheric is the right word. I don't know. <laughs> Jody says, if Chuck Fiskett shows up on the Frumus, on Frumus, life would be close to complete, bro. Oh, man, that is the gr greatest comment ever. I want to frame that comment. If Chuck Fiskett shows up on Frumus, life would be close to complete. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. No, it's not Chuck. Not Chuck. I wish. That would be cool. That would be really cool. Uh, so more spacious than any anything Danzig had recorded with the Misfits or Sam Hain uh, with the music deliberately arranged to let powerful pipes dominate the proceedings. That is true. Glenn's voice is right up, is, is right up on tippy top. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just, it's right at the front. Songs like Twist of Cain, Am I Demon, She Rides, and The Hunter. The Hunter is a really fast song. I mean, it's not really fast, but I mean, it's like an aggressive, pounding, driving song. We're closer in sound and spirit to the heavy early 70s rock that Danzig and Rubin had grown up with, while Mother was commercial sounding enough to eventually become the bigger, the biggest hit of Evil Elvis's career. And two interesting things about that. First of all, Mother was another song. That song was fast as hell. Super fast, right? Um, what's up, Angus? We got Angus in the crowd. How you doing tonight, Mr. Angus? Jody says, Jeff, to walk the night is slower than basically anything on Danzig One. It's, I'd, I mean, I don't know. Maybe She Rides is pretty slow. But it's yeah, it's it's definitely one of the slowest. I'd say she rides is the slowest one, right? She rides. She, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of um, 
I don't know. I can't really compare to Walk the Night and She Rides, but yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's let's keep moving on here. See my computer's slowing down because I'm trying to show all these comments, guys. I, I can't, I can't do it. I want to do it. I just can't do it. All right. Uh, yeah. So Mother was a punk song. It was like a punky song. I would love to hear what the original version of Mother sounded like. I asked Erie about that, by the way. Uh, I asked Erie about it. And if you are part of the Patreon or a YouTube member, you will get to hear his response before anybody else. It's very interesting to hear what Erie had to say, as well as other people who well, let's leave that for another day. Uh, the whole idea for us, especially with me and Rick, was to create a record that 20 years down the line would still be played. That's a, a classic Danzig line that he tells in every interview. But he, he said that all the way back in 1988. But he'd been, I mean, he's been saying that for years. So, and he changed it. Well, you know, he went from saying 20 years to 30 years. I mean, as the record has endured so has glenn increased the, the increment of time uh like a real classic album that stood the test of time and we did it or i hope we did it that you know what he most certainly did 30 years later it's safe to say that danzig and ruben accomplished their mission not only is the danzig lp still danzig's most popular record i i think it's my favorite danzig record i mean i love lucifuge but I love the first half of Lucifuge, but I think that Danzig one is more balanced, man. Everybody loves, everybody goes to Lucifuge, but Danzig one, mm, it still sounds fantastic. So in honor of the 30th anniversary of its unholy birth, here are 10 things you probably didn't know about Danzig and the events that led to its creation. Um, AKA, I needed to write a listicle on the milestone anniversary of this record for this band. I get it, Dan Epstein. I get it. Dan is a good writer. So here's Sam Hain live in 86, the final Sam Hain show. They didn't intend it to be that way, but it is. Jody's, Jody's record order for Danzig is one, two, four, three. Okay. Oh, I missed it. See, this is the problem. I can't like scroll. I wish there was somebody to ask me a question and then I could answer it. I wish these were in the form of questions. Danzig was originally supposed to be Sam Haynes' fourth release. Uh, okay. I, I have to say I didn't know that, but I also want to challenge the writer because I don't think that's exactly true. I think that they were work so they were recording songs for Sam Hain Grimm, and then that got scrapped, and they started over when they changed the name of the band and they got signed to everything. They basically started over from scratch. That that, that was kind of like two separate things. Even though John Christ, I don't know, I don't know, I, I I don't think so, man. I think one is automatically. I'd throw that out. I would just say that's not true. I would say that they, if if you wanted to be more accurate, and again, being super semantic here, super semantic, uh, just really like the nitty gritty. Technically, if I could put my my nerd glasses on for a minute, technically, I would say Samhain Four, Samhain Grimm, is a scrapped record, and they started new. They carried over. Two of the songs carried over, right? And 
now. Yes, Jason. Jason's correct here. Jason says Danzig was not a continuation of Sam Hain. I agree. Wow. Michael saw Soundgarden open for Danzig on the Lucid Future. That's pretty rad. That is pretty rad. Yeah, I don't. I, I got a. So right off the bat, I'm a little suspicious here, man. Formed in the wake of Misfits' messy demise, Glenn Danzig's gothic pagan influence. Oh, okay. I like gothic pagan is a good uh, descriptor. Although I'm sure Glenn would probably take umbrage with the word pagan, but whatever. Uh, pagan influence outfit uh, Sam Hain established a devote, devoted cult following of their own with their first three releases. Initium, Unholy Passion, and uh, November Coming Fire. By the way, you could see I have a t-shirt shop right below here. I have November Coming Fire themed t-shirts. If you've ever listened to November November's Fire, uh, it sounds like he's saying sour cream instead of Samhain Grimm. So I thought I'd put that on a t-shirt, which is not my joke. That's a joke from message boards of old, but I just thought it was really funny. And anybody who gets the joke will be the coolest guy at the concert or the nerdiest. I don't know. You you decide. Um, so all of those have been released on Plan 9. They were already thinking about embarking on their fourth record in July of 1986 when Ruben caught their performance at the Ritz in New York City. It was for the New Music Seminar. Sam Hain was playing at the New Music Seminar and were scouting labels. Danzig recalled to Concrete Foundations. We wanted to. So this guy's mining from old articles, just like we do here. That's that's exactly what, what we do. We wanted to go to... We wanted to go to a major label after our third record, and Rick Rubin was there. Basically, he came after our set and said, I want to sign you guys. You guys are great. While considering offers from Electrica and Epic, as well as Rubin's Def Jam imprint, the band began working on the provisionally titled Sam Hain 4, which was originally slated to include... I, th I think that's why he's saying that, because... They, because um, Twist of Cain and Possession, and I, I they both carry over. I, I was about to say Mother. I don't know when. No, I don't know when Mother came really came to fruition. I don't know if it started life as a Sam Hain song. It was a faster song, though. Half those tracks on Danzig were songs I was writing for Sam Hain. Danzig told City Pages in twenty three. Okay, so there it is from from Danzig's mouth. Two future Danzig songs, Twist of Cain and Possession, were initially demoed. In September 86. Yeah, but what how many of those other songs eventually ended up on Danzig One? I don't I really don't think you could say that semantically. With Danzig on vocals and guitar and the Sam Hain rhythm section of Erivan London May on bass and drums, respectively. Sam Hain guitarist Damien had already been sacked from the band. So that's really that's not yeah, that's right. That would be September October at Real Platinum in Lodi. We weren't happy with our guitar player and I was doing most of the guitar tracks in the studio, which was stupid because he was the guitar player and he should have been doing it. Danzig explained to Concrete Foundations. Rick said, you guys need to get a new guitar player. And I was like, tell me about it. Although Pete, Pete, who is on the show, will say otherwise. And that immediately Ruben was trying to separate from from Pete's mouth as well. Just so Pete's represented here that Ruben was trying to separate Glenn from his old band. He wanted Glenn to shuck all the guys and Erie was the only one who endured. And um, 
you know, what's ironic. And I don't know if I told Pete this to his face. Maybe I did, but I definitely talked about it with John Steele from the voice of doom in that it's kind of ironic. I almost feel like Pete was actually sacked because now they were a different band or they were moving in a different direction. And Glenn had taught, you know, Pete to play this very particular way for Sam Hain. And ironically, that's kind of the thing that, you know, ends up getting him pushed out of the band on, on some level, on some level. I, I don't know. Uh, Jody says, Jody Ramone says, I remember when you interviewed Steve Zing, he mentioned they 100% were doing an early version of Am I Demon before Sam Haynes' demise, a la Final Descent Deluxe, uh, having two Danzig, uh, having two Danzig, one songs while in Sam Haynes. Are you sure that, wait, Steve said that? That they were doing Am I Demon? Which is weird because Steve left the band in 85. As a matter of fact, I didn't know this. Steve, Steve blew my mind. This Steve was the one who sort of he sort of um he brought London up to speed. He brought like London, I guess he kind of like brought London. I forgot what his words were exactly. I don't want to misquote Steve, but it was something like he was the guy who 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 maybe he like showed London the songs. I don't know, something like that. Um, but London would have been playing I am I demon. I imagine. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Two. Here's number two. We're never going to get to the bottom of that. We just got to keep going. Number two. Danzig had no idea who Rick Rubin was before Def Jam owner approached him about signing to his label. Uh, I feel like I heard that before, but maybe I, I don't really remember it. Um, So I'm going to give this one to them. Yeah, I guess I didn't know that feel like i heard that Man, we must have read that here we must have read that on here somewhere do i believe that danzig actually didn't know who rick rubin was i don't know man i kind of feel like maybe he did and that's just it's just glenn being like you know yeah i don't even know who you are you know like that kind of thing that kind of like that that stuck up kind of bullshit like come on i don't know maybe not but i mean like did, rick had already put out slayer right and glenn knew who slayer was i'd imagine I, I don't know i don't know yeah so blah 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 blah. though rick rubin had already established himself as a rising industry talent by the summer of 1986 thanks to his production work with rappers ll cool j and run dmc his founding of the influential death jam there's no way that glenn didn't know who death jam was i just don't believe that glenn absolutely had his pulse on the music scene of new york whether he was playing shows or not that's so weird to me that Danzig huh, that Danzig had never heard of him before their paths cross at the Ritz Rick had signed Slayer at the new music. Okay. So they also, okay. So, so one year before Slayer was signed, I uh, interesting Danzig told seconds in 1997, he came down the next year to see us and came backstage. And I didn't know who he was. I knew the beastie boys, but I didn't know he worked was working with them. Okay. So that fair enough. Fair enough. That makes sense. So maybe he really didn't know who Rick Rubin was, but he was familiar with the Beastie Boys, who Rick Rubin was very affiliated with. Here's this guy with a long ZZ Top beard going crazy backstage. And I'm like, who the F is this guy? He's telling me people he knows. And I said, I know punk rock photographer Glenn Friedman. He said, call him. He'll tell you who I am. 
soon afterwards because he kept you know that was that's the equivalent of like googling someone back in the day right like uh you know hey just google me which is very sort of conceited in and of itself right a little bit soon afterwards danzig met with ruben at def jam's offices he played me some stuff danzig recalled in a 1989 interview with with hollywood book and poster def jam was a street level operation then it was great he likes bands for the reasons that i like bands music that's aggressive and violent fair enough three ruben was not a misfits fan or even a sam hain fan for that matter this i did not this i did know i absolutely knew that uh though ruben raved and here's the thing if he was then maybe he wouldn't have been so gung-ho on trying to scrap the rest of the band he was trying to just pluck uh, uh danzig for his for his voice and his you know for danzig for danzig and get him you know whatever better players whatever you want to call it but if he was a fan of those bands he probably would have wanted to kept keep both pete maybe pete and london not just eerie though ruben raved backstage at the ritz about wanting to sign sam Hain, the truth was that he really only wanted there you go he really only wanted to sign glenn and build a new group around him i was never a misfits fan ruben told kerrang in 1988 i didn't like them i actually thought they were terrible but i always knew glenn was a, how could you say here's what i understand how could you say that you thought they were terrible maybe you thought they were terrible live but the misfits were playing pop songs, man. I mean, they're doing pop music. How could you hate on that, dude? You're Rick friggin' Rubin, man. That's just, I, I just don't believe that. I don't believe that either. But I always knew that Glenn was a great singer and that he had a great songwriting potential that hadn't been fully realized. Hey, tell me, am I still choppy right now? Is my screen, is my uh, connection still choppy? Curious to know. As Danzig and Ruben continue to discuss the possibility of working together, the producer label owner finally came clean about the fact that he wasn't related to Sam Hain either. He said, to be honest, I don't want any of those these old guys. Danzig later recalls to seconds. He said, Erie can't play. The drummer can't play. All I want to do is sign you. Danzig insisted that Erie Vaughn remain on bass, but agreed that it was finally time to find a new drummer and guitarist. He and Ruben also decided that this new outfit should bear his name. I was like, I'm tired of changing the names of bands. We should just call it Danzig. I'll never have to change the name again. I'm so sorry, guys. Rue, hey, what's up, Rue? Uh, I'm sorry, man. As long as the as long as the audio is clear, then that's just the way it is tonight. I, I really apologize, everybody. I really, it really bums me out. Hey, I still got 38 people watching with choppy video. That's pretty good. Okay, let's let's keep pile. Let's keep pressing on here. Oh, oh, you know what? I just realized this is what is this? What is this? What's going on over here? This is very sticky. This is just oh my god! It's sticking to everything. And you know what else is sticky, right? Stickers. Stickers are sticky. Did you know that stickers stick? That's what they do. And we get our stickers from riotstickers.com. By the way, the person in the chat, AA, keeps saying that Batman has good hands. I do not understand why. 
ridestickers.com. Sticky as hell. Now, these are great. They're made out of vinyl. I just put up some today, and they are going to stick for a very long time. Go to riotstickers.com, link in the comments. We love Riot Stickers. Look at that beautiful banner that they put up right behind right behind me that they uh, put together. Riot Stickers are the bomb. They do t-shirts. They do everything you could imagine. Sharpie, mother effing Riot. Look at that button he made. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. All right. We got to play the video, you guys. We got to play. Yes, that's right. Speaking of Riot, seeing the Misfits on Saturday, that's awesome. That's awesome. Walk among us, man. Oh, my God. I need someone who's at the show. to. We need a field reporter to be, like, on the scene. Hi, I'm on the scene. <laughs> oh, man, did I just freeze? I just totally froze up. Damn it. Freak. Freaking hell. I hate this computer, man. I need to get my whole system just upgraded, dude. I need to get a hard wire in. I need a, it's just going to take time. It's going to take time. We're just going to have to deal with it as it is. Um, let's play that video real quick before we continue on. That's right, Riot Stickers. We are the bomb. Oh, it looks like the picture has gotten a little bit better. I hope it stays that way. Okay, let's keep moving on, shall we? Let's keep going. So they're never going to change the band name again. What was I saying? Oh, yeah, we need a we need a correspondent out at, at Riot Fest. I'm here at Riot Fest, and we are uh, we're about to see the Misfits live doing Walk Among Us. It's going to be really great, okay? I don't know why the this field correspondent sounds like Mr. Mackey or at least says MK.
Hello. Hey, now. All right, let's see if we can get back to. Hey, hey, hey. How's that? Is that good? Damn, we lost a bunch of people from that. Hello. Can you hear me okay? Just give me a thumbs up and we will keep this bus rolling along. Can you hear me? Tommy, can you hear me? Someone give me a confirmation that you can hear this. Bingo. Okay. Okay, let's keep let's keep it let's keep it rolling. Let's keep this you know, the show the show is always uh just veering off the rails. I, so John of Doom says John of Doom says uh Max Headroom, I guess I'm still very choppy. Is that is <laughs> Oh man, we lost about 10 people in a blink of an eye. They're just like, "All right, no audio, I'm out of here." I get it. I get it. I get it. I would have left too. I would have left too. All right, so anyway, so it was London May. It was London May who brought John Christen. How about that? How about that? Um, but yes, I did know that about uh, about Phil from Motorhead. So filthy Phil from Motorhead. And yeah, once Christ officially joined the band in February of 1987, only the drum stool remained open. So it's incredible to think that. And I remember this from the interview I did with Erie. He said, you know, I said, you guys didn't really do anything for most of 1987. And he very much disagreed with that. He was like, what are you talking? He's like, we were putting together a record. We were trying to bring people into the band that we were always doing stuff. You know, it's just from like the outside eye. It looks like a period of inactivity when really it's a bustling period of activity. There's a lot of things going on. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Danzig had two top choices. Chuck Biscuits, who had previously played with DOA, Black Flag, Circle jays and the red hot chili peppers um and obviously they had crossed paths because you know black flag was playing i think chuck biscuits was in the band when they were doing shows with the misfits so there you go you've that you've that or maybe it was black flag it was black flag or the cjs uh that was i think it was black flag because it was 82 and i know that those unicorn recordings chuck plays on those so when when they couldn't legally record right uh, and then the other one was former Motorhead drummer, uh, uh, Filthy Phil. When we decided to dump our other drummer, uh, you know, whenever someone's on the outs with Danzig, suddenly they lose their name. They they no longer have a name. They're stripped of their name. Our drummer, London May, Danzig told Hollywood book and poster, I said, Filthy Phil and Chuck Biscuits. Filthy, we decided, might be kind of old and set in his ways he might not listen if you say play that this way. I'm really picky. And so is Rick and Chuck Biscuits was available. Biscuits proved to be a good fit for the band. And while no one from the Danzig camp ever officially reached out to Taylor, it was later revealed that he was already in the process of rejoining Motorhead after a three year hiatus and thus wouldn't have even been available anyway. Here we have Kirk and James talking Danzig Fashione. Ja okay, here we go. James, we already saw, we said this at the beginning. I knew this as well. This is one of those really fun facts where you're like, oh yeah, that's right. On both Twist of Cain and Possession, Possession being my one of my favorite Danzig songs, 
James Hetfield sang backing vocals. In the summer of 87, when Samhain was still looking for a major label deal, Metallica gave Danzig's industry stock a major boost by including a medley of his Misfit songs, Last Caress and Green Hell on the 598 EP, Garage Days Re-Revisited. Though Danzig generally played coy in interviews about whether or not the recording had any real effect on his career, of course it 100% did. And here's another one. F uh, Finn. Finn McKinty from the punk rock NBA. I love that guy. I, the truth is I want to be that guy. I want to be my own version of Finn McKinty. I, I don't think I'll ever, I don't know if I'll ever, you know, re sort of such heights as that guy has. I don't know, you know, but I like what he does. And I sort of like think in my head, like, man, if I really had my, my, my crap together, I'd want to be like that guy. He's someone to aspire to. How about that? He said something that blew my mind when talking about Beavis and Butthead. And I think Beavis and Butthead are the reason I agree with what he said in that Beavis and Butthead are 100% the reason why mother went to number eight or whatever it was. Number 40. The reason why mother charted again in 93, six years after it was released was, or five years after it was released was because of Beavis and Butthead because they had, that music video and the same thing happened with guar beavis and butthead were so popular and influential that when they played a video on mt on their on their show that band got a major bump a major boost just the way that metallica gave it to the misfits samhain danzig bands so did beavis and butthead do for mother i i really believe that and that that's a Finn McKinty um, theory, and I 100% agree with it. I really do. So Danzig can play coy all he wants, uh, but he really should be saying thank you to Beavis and Butthead as well as Metallica. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. So when James Hetfield offered to lend his vocal services to the recording of Danzig, Danzig was more than happy to take him up on it. He was hanging out with us in L.A., Danzig told City Pages. I had to go back to the studio. He said he wanted to come along, and I was like, oh, sure, don't worry about it. Though Hetfield was not credited on the album due to contractual issues, Metallica's label Elektra might have frowned upon any freelancing. His unmistakable growl can be heard on the choruses of at least two of the album's tracks. He's on Possession, Twist of Cain, and probably one other one. Danzig reveals the city pages. He's not on Mother, but he's probably on one other track. Can I don't know that to be. I always thought it was two tracks. Can anybody find out what is the third track that has James Hetfield on it? His, his stuff on Possession is just great. It's really great. All right, number six. Danzig took full songwriting credit for The Hunter. Yes, okay, I did absolutely knew that but he didn't actually write it. Yeah. And this is kind of a, this is a bit of a bummer. And, uh, you know, Uncle Glenn, Uncle Glenn, with its swaggering groove and brawny blues riffs, ominous. Of course I wrote that. What do you mean I didn't write that? Yes, it was me. I wrote 100% of that record. Um, <laughs> Fucking guy. Uh, with its swaggering groove, brawny blues riffs, ominous lyrics, and Danzig's demonic roar. The Danzig track, The Hunter, showcased all that was great about Danzig the band. I would agree. And when they played that live, when you hear John Christ just like just like running that fretboard, 
doing doing the that's a really bad john christ guitar impression when you hear him doing all that stuff for the hunter dude dude oh so yeah it showcased all that was great about dancing the band only one problem while the album's credits read all songs written by glenn danzig the hunter had actually been written in 1967 by members of Memphis soul group Booker T and the MGs with uh, with help from songwriter Carl Wells. Okay, two things about this that I do know. Okay, thing number one. First of all, Booker T and the MGs, you might have heard of them. They have a song called Green Onions. And that's that. You hear it in the sound, the sandlot. That's a terrible rendition of it, but. Green Onions, uh, YouTube it, you will know what I'm talking about. That's number one, right? What's up? We have Runners Dial Zero. How you doing, buddy? Been a while. Hope you're well. Number two, The Hunter. Now, okay, I made this again. Like I said, I've been going into this blind. I have no idea what's on this list. The whole point of this show was to see if it was really 10 things about Danzig One that I did not know. And I've been trying, I've been trying to been answer. I've been trying to answer as honestly as possible. I really wish I had someone asking me questions, like, you know, things in the form of questions. Cause then I could do like a proper answer. I mean, that maybe that's something we could do for a future episode. That might be really, um, funny. he says, runner says, I hope you're well or Jeff. I, I sure am runner. I sure am. Thanks for, thanks for, uh, thanks for commenting. Um, <laughs> So, so the other thing, okay, right. Sorry. I'm getting really distracted here. So the other thing about the Hunter is, and I think this is why Glenn tried to take songwriting credit. It's still really one of the lamest things Glenn Danzig has done. Pretty, pretty freaking lame. Yeah. AA says it, uh, Albert King, call me the Hunter. Uh, Albert King recorded it in 1967. And I believe it was also just called the Hunter. And I think it's actually based, it's based on a traditional 12 bar or 24 bar blues sort of riff thing. So here's the thing, much like the folk song, anybody who knows anything about folk music knows that it's all kind of sort of in the public domain in the sense that the oral tradition of folks singing song telling is something that nobody truly owns and anybody can do their own version of it and they can make money off of it and whatnot. And I think, and you know, maybe even Led Zeppelin has done this a whole bunch as well, but not in the same way as what happened here with Danzig. I think that Glenn took ownership or, or justified. Here's, here's the way. I think there was some 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 justification of ownership. This is my own personal opinion. I don't actually know. He took personal ownership because of that reason, because it kind of has like a 12 bar folk blue. And if anybody knows other, I feel really insecure about what I'm saying right now. Maybe I'm wrong. Again, I'm going completely off the top of the dome. That's the whole point of this little exercise. It's to test my mind. But I believe that that song even, you know, predates Albert King and um, Carl Wells and all those guys that those that and even, you know, the lyrics, I, I think maybe even 
there are some lyrics written by muddy waters originally or something because here's the other thing too the hunter here's okay here's another interesting fact about the hunter the hunter shares song dna with another very famous song actually it's my favorite song by this band of which i am not a fan i am a casual listener of the occasional tune that band is called kiss and the song is called love gun and i believe that the this the lyric you pull the trigger of my love gun actually comes from the hunter so the hunter is the source of glenn danzig's the hunter and obviously and and the 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 Paul Stanley Love Gun song for uh for for Kiss. How about that? Something like that. Something like that. I don't know what the exact lyric is, but I know it's some I know that it includes in the Hunter version. You pull the trigger on my love gun. That comes from the Hunter. And I don't know if it was Muddy Waters who wrote that or if it was carl wells or if it was you know who uh, albert king i don't know but it wasn't glenn danzig that's for sure and i think glenn because he arranged the hunter himself sort of said okay well this is written by me because i arranged it and i you know it's an it's an old blues folk tradition i'm gonna just you know that's what i could imagine being said i don't actually know what was said let's see what else is said it had also been recorded numerous times before danzig got to it first by bluesman albert king okay so albert king did not write it he did not write it but he recorded it and that i know that was in 67 and later by hard rockers blue cheer free and leds oh led zeppelin did a recording of it too the latter of whom interpolated it into the song how many more times perhaps taking a plagiaristic page out of Led Zepp's book. Led Zeppelin has done some egregious plagiarism. I mean, look, Glenn Danzig has written, you know, he is an original songwriter who's written many, 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 many songs. Led Zeppelin has ripped off every famous song they've ever done as a ripoff. Every famous song, you know. Uh, oh, Ace is in the comments. What's up, Ace? Ace says, you can put a written by on an album and get away with it as long as the publishing is still doled out accordingly. How about that? So you can actually put written by and still pay the publishing. Now, did Glenn pay the publishing to whoever that was? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, he most certainly said it was written by. I did not know that, Ace. Thank you for sharing that little tidbit. Blue Cheer, that's probably where Glenn first heard it. Very possible he did. dude was into Blue Cheer. Uh, you you know that I, I can't, I dude, you can't. You uh you can't, man. You can't say D Danzig dig dis Danzig dist kiss on Hunter. Huh. JS says that you are 10 times better than Finn McKinty. I I I will accept no such accolade. It's very kind of you. But what Finn does is really special. And, uh, you know, I, I stumble over my words. Everything that Finn McKinty says comes out so precise and measured. 
He speaks in wonderful sound bites. I, I, I really think the world of that guy, even if I don't particularly like the music that he covers all the time, I just, I love what he does. I really do. He, he's been a big influence on, on me and what I try to do. Um, yeah. We got Rue. We got Ace Von Johnson. Shit. Hold on. All right. Now this, this whole thing is uh, guys, I can't, I can't show the comments anymore. My, my screen keeps freezing up. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, guys. This is, I appreciate this wonderful ego boost that you're giving me. Th that That's what this is. A giant, a giant ego boost right now, but I can't accept it. I refuse to accept this. It, it's really nice of you to say, but it's not, I can't, I can't accept it, dude. I mean, that dude, I have 4,000 subscribers. He has 400,000 subscribers for a very good reason because he's very good at what he does. He really is. He really is. Oh, my God. That is like what he does is my dream job. That's my real dream job. Holy crap. I wake up every day and just think like, this isn't work. This is like this is like what I want to do. Uh, Finn McKinty is okay, but too centered on late 90s, early 2000s stuff, and his videos are too rehearsed. You are real. You use ums and ahs. Yeah, but JS, that's my problem. I don't want to use ums and ahs. That's that's my Achilles heel. That like that hurts me, I think. In, I shouldn't be using the ums and the ahs. That, you know, that's why this this eerie interview is taking so long. Cause I'm like, I gotta take out all these ums and ahs because we pre-recorded it. It's really hard not to use an mm or an ah or a you know. That's that's like how you stall and how your brain comes up with something else to say while you're you have to keep the talking going. You can't have any dead air. We wouldn't want to be like Michael Graves. Here's Michael Graves doing a live stream. Oh. <laughs> Infowars. <laughs> oh, I can't help it. I can't help it. I can't help it. All right. Ace says, hold on here. Ace says it falls under the same concept as Ghost Riders. Okay. But with this case, who knows? He definitely arranged and reworked the lyrics, but he didn't write it per se. He most cert he did not write it. He definitely did not write it, but but he you know, he, he put it, he put his spin on it that made him feel justified in taking song writing credit. Yeah, we are definitely the underground. Bro, bro, JS, we, well, first of all, we've had Ricky Rackman on this channel. Ricky is a friggin' awesome friggin' dude who is into a lot of really cool, awesome stuff. He's a huge TSOL fan. He's a huge punk fan. Friggin' new Darby crash and stuff. You know, MTV does not totally embody and encompass everything that Ricky Rackman has done, you know? Um, so I, I don't think that's fair to say. But uh, listen, I appreciate what you're saying about Finn McGinty. It's just, I, I can't, I, I can't accept it. I can't accept it. Um, you're, 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 you're making, you're, you're bolstering my ego and, and blowing up my head too much. It's, it's not, uh, it, it feels nice, but it's, it's not, it's, I can't, I can't back in the late eighties. We knew a girl named Kara who was, who resembled Danzig 
we would sing Kara looks like Danzig to the theme of twist of cane riff ah memories. Hmm. <laughs> um all right, let's 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 keep moving. Let's 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 keep moving on here. Uh it has also been recorded numerous times, blah blah blah. blah. Perhaps taking a plagiaristic page out of Led Zepp's book, Danzig rewrote some of the lyrics. Unlike the song's original protagonist, Danzig's Hunter, excuse the use, right, the love gun. Okay, so they talk about the love gun. There you go. In favor of ripping his prey to pieces, helping himself to all of the songwriting credit. Yes, he most certainly does. Um, Yes. All right, moving on. Number seven, Mother was originally a straightforward punk rock song. We already knew this. We most certainly knew this. Released as Danzig's lead single in August of 1988, Mother would need another five years in a fresh remix before it finally dented the Billboard charts. The remix of Mother that's getting played all the time now is basically the same song, but with some crowd noises and a little reverb thrown in it, John Christ told Guitar School in 1994 at the height of the song's popularity. I think the reason why Mother became a hit so many years after it first came out is because the music scene has changed so much. You never would have heard any Danzig song on the radio three years ago, let alone a top 40 station uh, where they are now all playing Mother uh, people's tastes have changed and now the old punk generation has switched it over to hard rock. The punk sound is popular again. All right. So here's one thing that's for sure, for certain the end part of mother, that's how the, how fast the whole song was. So when it turns into, into turbo, into turbo gear, thank you guys. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate the love. I do. I do. Um, I, I really do. Thank you. Thank you, JS. Thank you, Rue, all of you guys. Um, the end part of Mother, that's how the whole song sounded. That's how fast it was. That's the only thing I know about the original punk Mother. So there's another little, that's another little tidbit. Ironically, Christ told the magazine that the song began its life as a three-chord punk rager before Rick Rubin stepped in to radically rearrange it. Mother actually started out as a punk rock song, just a lot of down strumming going from B to A to G really quick, he said. But Rick Rubin pretty much co-wrote it the way it ended up on the record. Wow, he used the word co-wrote. He came in and totally changed the guitar riffs, the choruses, and all the drum fills and beats. They were all Rick. So he gives Mother, he gives Rick a lot of credit for Mother. In fact, he was all over that first record, that first record, changing things around. And I think he changed things for the better. Huh. So in a weird kind of way, I guess, you know, whatever Rick's input was creatively, like he didn't care about even, you know, for, 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 for John Christ to use that word, that's very generous to use co-written. Therefore, maybe, you know, Rick just has, Rick doesn't have, or at least at the time, he didn't have much of an ego about that stuff in particular. He could just sort of like let it go. Didn't care about that. Rick Rubin sent the wrong cut of the original Mother video to MTV. I knew this as well. While Rubin helped rearrange Mother into a hit, he may have also inadvertently prevented the song from receiving regular MTV airplay upon its initial release. In the song's original 1988 clip, Danzig sacrifices a chicken over a bikini-clad woman 
and then writes upside down, writes an upside down cross on her belly with the animal's blood. When the arbiters of good taste at MTV objected to the scene, uh, Ruben commissioned an alter alternate cut, which showed only a brief snippet of the splattered blood and sent the edited version off to the network or so he thought. He thought he had sent them the censored version, but he sent them the uncensored one. Danzig told Vice in 2010. They played it, and they got all these religious people who can go F themselves anyway, uh, freaking out, and MTV banned us almost forever. What's up, Count Zacula? We're just talking We're talking Danzig one here, the very first, and uh, we're talking about... Uh, I, I'm, this is kind of like a test. I'm testing myself to see if I... How, it's, it says 10 things you didn't know about Glenn Danzig's uh, first record and um yeah i'm just trying to i'm just trying to figure that out whoa what it, okay why did he leave what do you mean he left due to anti-semitism i'm curious to know about that hey, i've never heard that before is rick jew oh yeah rick rubin i guess he is jewish huh didn't even think of that didn't even cross my mind um Hilariously, the network accidentally ran the uncensored version for a week before realizing its mistake. When the remix version of the song finally made it to regular MTV rotation in 1993, it was via live video. That was probably another reason to do a live video. Danzig didn't actually sacrifice chicken. Yeah, no, no crap. No shit. Obviously. I don't think you can count that as a fact. I disqualify that one. Animal lovers ever can take comfort. Yeah, obviously, no, no, none of them were harmed. Um, <laughs> it just cuts to blood shooting on her stomach. I mean, you don't see me ripping a chicken apart. I didn't actually do that. We had a chicken handler there, and I like animals a lot. Yes, do you know this about GD? He does like his animals. Okay, number 10. The iconic skull featured on Danzig's cover was inspired or lifted from the obscure Marvel comic Saga of Kristar. Yes, we have. Everybody knows that. Danzig features one of the most iconic album covers in the in metal, thanks to its instantly recognizable black and white demon skull. One of the greatest, simplest album covers of all time. While the design first made its appearance in Glenn Danzig's catalog years earlier, in smaller versions on the covers of Sam Haynes' first two albums, 1984's Initium and 1986's November Coming Fire, the, the origins of the image can be traced back to the early 80s in an obscure M uh, Marvel comic called The Saga of Kristar. While Glenn is an avid and outspoken comic fan and creator, the singer has never publicly admitted taking inspiration from the series. But one look at the cover of issue 8, drawn by artist Michael Golden, makes it hard to deny the skull's true source. And I'll tell you something, man, like I would love to just hear, like, hear what that dude, Michael Golden has to say about this. What, you know, has Glenn licensed it? Did he purchase the copyright of the image? There has to be something there because he's made a lot of money from that logo. And it's, you know, if it's not his, how did, you know, what is the, what is the behind the scenes of that? That's what I want to know. That brings us to the end of our listicle here. That was a fun little jaunt, right? Coming in at around an hour. Uh, when Danzig, from the comments, when Danzig first hooked up with Ruben, they did the Less Than Zero soundtrack. Yes, yes, we know that. 
Imagine if MTV accidentally aired the original version for It's Coming Down. Oh, my Lord. That's from Runner Dial Zero. Count Zakula says, the scene with the chicken from Mother is actually taken from a Go Nagai uh, comic. The same guy who did Devil Man who Glenn loves so much. That makes sense. Glenn's always borrowing from somewhere and in Glenn's kind of like the Glenn's kind of like Quentin Tarantino of of in in punk rock and music, right? He takes things that he really loves, like really cool things and interweaves them in his own way. You know, um I think that's I I think that's fun. Runner's Dial 0 says, "Remember when Glenn tried to take credit for the Danzig skull by yeah, we we right. He said he he sent a bunch of artwork to Marvel years prior, and they took it from. I think we all know that's that's not that's that's not true. Most certainly, Ace says, "I've got one. Who sold John his BC Rick bitch that he used on Danzig one? Oh man, I don't know. I I really don't know who who. Okay, you got me. You got me there. Who is it?" uh i feel like oh man no i don't know i really really don't know did he get that did he have it before dancing one i feel like he did and was it white did he paint it black and it was originally a white guitar speaking of comics anime i love how glenn via him vehemently denies uh on the thrasher magazine interview in 1986 that he was not influenced by captain harlock of course he was of course he was. I mean, come on. Get the fuck out of here. Tracy guns. Holy shit. All right. I really did not know that. So Tracy guns from LA guns who aces aces, uh, uh one of the guitar players in LA guns as we speak, Tracy, his bandmate uh, sold his guitar, the BC Rick bitch, whatever rich is it rich BC rich or BC Rick? I don't, I don't, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't know. Uh, whatever the guitar that, that John Christ used on all four, four albums to John Christ. How? Wow. Didn't Geiger sue Danzig as well for using his version of Danzig skull uh, that I do not know. I don't think so. He had okay. Ace says he has a black one and a green one. Unsure if either was painted after the fact. The green one is now in a hard rock cafe in Florida. Hmm. Yeah, right. That kind of blows my mind. Yeah, rich, rich. It's rich. BC rich bitch. Got it. Got it. Got it. Crap. My computer is freezing on me. Uh, yeah okay that's on the uh thumbnail uh jody ramon wow this is really freezing up here jody ramon that is on the thumbnail of this uh of this youtube video it's one of the two he used on the album <coughs> so that's interesting i always thought it was just one guitar that he used live and on the album and it's on everything i guess so he had two 
that he used that he would just go back and forth. Mike, you we're about to we're about to be out, man. I'm sorry to say we're, we're at that. We're at the hour mark. We just went through our listicle. I wasn't even going to do a show tonight. It's uh, 1125. I got to wake up to uh, get my kids ready for school. For school. Hey, what's up, crazy white boy? What's going on? Yes, crazy white boy. Thank you, man. That's right. Gouge away. Gouge away is my new feature length film. If you are a YouTube member or a Patreon you have had access to this feature length film. It's already available to you. Everybody else will see it in probably about a year's time, unless you come to a screening. Um, there are more screenings in the works right now. So keep your eyes peeled for that. As I said, the second part of our Erie Vaughn interview. Now, where are we in this Erie Vaughn interview in part two? Well, I'll tell you, we are talking about the misfits. We are full on talking about the misfits. And we, as we will for the next few parts, this part um, is only available to Patreon members and YouTube members. So sign up. What's going to happen is part three or four is going to come out. And then people might start asking, well, where's part two? I'll be like, part two is on Patreon or YouTube member. And you're going to have, that's how it's going to work. No, that sounds kind of like a trollish thing, but like, you know, that's just, that's just how it goes. Trying to, Trying to hustle, trying to, you know, make shit happen, you know, trying to trying to get that Finn McKinty money, you know. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. It's so stupid. Um, school is for fools. Just kidding. Stay stay in school. That's right. That's right. Thank you. Yes, that was a fun. That is a fun interview. Okay, Mike says he's going to uh Riot Fest. That's cool. That is awesome. I'll tell you what, um, if you haven't seen it already, I'm going to play the trailer. Yes, that's right, Adam. Thank you. By the way, Patreons, there, there's a ton. I, I just I just put seven videos together. I don't, you know, people don't really give a shit about the food reviews. I just do them because I like it. I like to do it. It's easy to make. How about that? It's super, e it's a super fast, easy edit job. And it's a great way to get out a video. Uh, I got a bunch of them coming. So keep your eyes peeled for, for a whole slew of those. In addition to Erivan 2 will be out on September 19th. And here, I'm going to play the, let's play the trailer real quick. So this is what the trailer for the new movie. Oh, shit. God damn this frigging computer, man. Just stop shitting the bed for once. You shitty computer fuck. Just a minute. Just a minute. Just a minute. No, I am not smoking. This is not a real cigarette. This is just me um, nursing a paper straw like a weirdo. Because I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. I can't even open the chat, man. Bro. Come on, you stupid. Hold on one second. Let me try and collapse this comment. Dude. Oh, yeah, Angus, I'm glad you liked that episode. <laughs> 
Yo, I straight up am falling asleep in that Jello episode. We did an episode about meat Jello last night. Literally, meat Jello. Like we talked about Jello with meat in it, and uh, I. What's going on? Yo. There it is. <laughs> I bet that was really, really entertaining, everybody. Jeez. People thought I was gone. I see now. The jello was super fun. Late to the party. Thanks, everybody. Sorry. So sorry. So sorry. So sorry. I'm <laughs> still talking about me, Jello. <laughs> wow. Still 19 people here listening to that that ridiculous noise about like, oh, I can't fight. I guess I was frozen. I must have been frozen. All right. Here's the clip. Here's the trailer for Gouge Away. Will you do some yoga poses for me? I know you'll do a yoga pose for your uncle 
Elmo, right, Anthony? My friend Stanley. He's missing. Texts, emails, smoke signals, no answer. I'm just worried. Give me his info and I'll see what I can do. No promises. You know, sometimes it's just really hard to play the cards that life deals you. Eehee. I'm not in the mood to talk about music right now. Oh, not Michael Jackson. Eehee, the gas. There's cartridges and gas works that comes to go with it. Chill, put that away. You shitty little asshole. Who the fuck do you think you are? Tony the Stamper is back and bloodthirsty for territory. You call that a fucking play? You're gonna whip you, motherfucker. You never came back here. There will be blood. <laughs> Do, 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 You know, I mix that trailer a little bit too low. It really bothers me. If I upload a new version, then I lose the 400 views, which is not a lot of views for a trailer, but, you know, it's still annoying. I find it annoying, at least. All right, listen. Let's let's wrap this up. I can't see the comments anymore. Again, I can't see the goddamn comments. It's freaking ridiculous. All right. Peace and hair grease. Why does it say no spoilers for the show? What is that from? I don't, I don't even know. I don't know what's going on. Let me just end this. Put this thing out of its misery. Doesn't want to work. Freaking thing, dude. Trying to peace out. There we go.